0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy your guest co-host james Vic. today we're going to be talking about ufc 290 alexander volkanovsky versus yair rodriguez and Vic, it's going down this saturday night live at the t-mobile arena in las vegas nevada you got the pound for pound great alexander volkanovsky taking on one of the most creative fighters in ufc history yair rodriguez and honestly Vic, this could be one of the greatest featherweight fights in ufc history
1: yeah it's a, this is an exciting card and a definitely exciting fight um
0: interesting matchup
1: very interesting
0: well let's not waste any time let's get right down to business because in the main event for the featherweight belt we got the champ alexander volkanovsky he's 25 and 2 taking on Yair rodriguez who's 15 and 3 and currently they got it alexander volkanovsky minus 400 the comeback on yai rodriguez is plus 300 so I mean obviously Volkanovski is warranted to be a favorite in this spot and against any featherweight on Planet Earth for the time being. What I think makes Volkanovski so special is I've never seen a fainting game like Volkanovski in all my years watching this sport. I mean, when's the last time you saw a dude that's 5 foot 6 but he's out-jabbing taller guys like he did to Max Holloway? This guy fights long for a short guy. What he did to Jose Aldo in Brazil, I mean, look When guys beat Aldo, it's usually a hard-fought battle. Maybe Aldo fades down the stretch, whatever. To shut down a guy like Jose Aldo based off a fainting game and 30-27 him in Rio the way Volk did, just phenomenal. I mean, this guy... You know he'll start to set up the shots upstairs, and then he'll go downstairs with a calf kick. You start getting worried about the calf kicks. That's when he goes upstairs. You start getting worried about what's coming upstairs, and then he's going to start to fake a takedown attempt. So this guy Volkanovski is really good at having people just guessing what's coming. And yeah, here I've been saying this for years. He can do things that other men simply can't do. As far as his martial arts technique is concerned, I've never seen the kinds of kicks and techniques, elbows that he brings to the table. And he is truly a phenom that's earned his spot been in the ufc longer than volkanovsky Vic, and now he gets his long awaited title shot who, uh, who are you favoring here how you see it going down man this is uh, a, a interesting
1: matchup for sure i i mean volkanovsky is the favorite for a reason um uh he's impressive oh my god he's impressive what, what was so impressive about this last fight against islam was not the fact that the fact that he took islam down a couple different times like he has to be the like I think Volkanovski has to be one of the big one of the biggest freak athletes to ever be in the UFC because you don't start training at 24 years old and have the technique level you have and can do that so easily to some of these guys like Islam has been wrestling with world class technique since he was like four and Volkanovski got up after every takedown and even took him down a couple of times. So it's it's super honestly seeing how good his wrestling really is and how good he can deal with that. I, I, I it would be crazy to see it, but, but I think Volkanovski can take anybody down one forty five. I think he can take him down and possibly even keep him down. Um, obviously, he that's not his style, but to for him to take Islam down a couple different times, what is he going to do to to everyone else? You know. So I think for him, I think he should. I do think he should take Yair uh, down. I think Yair's showed holes in this wrestling and that's the only hole he has is in his wrestling um, because his kicks are so phenomenal. Um, he's, he gets a little wild, you know, but his kicks are so phenomenal that um, uh, I think that's, that that makes up for his hands for, for his wildness. So, and then, he, you know, like you said, the elbows, I mean, he can do everything. He can clench, he can throw knees. He, um, um, his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. He, the one hole I feel like he, uh, he's showed over the years is his wrestling and I, I think Volkanovski could could take him down and and beat him like that, but I don't I don't see it playing out like that. Um, I think they're going to stand up, and it's going to be a chess game. And I'm I am curious to see if Yair can land these kicks on Volkanovski. He doesn't get hit flushed a lot. He has really good defense, and what like you said, a lot of it is is with the feints. So I would be curious to see if he if he can land these kicks. But right now, I think I think closer to the to the fight time, the lines are going to be way closer. I think a lot of the Mexican people, a lot of the people who really love Yair, are going to going to you know play some bets on him. So I, I think you could even get Volkanovski maybe close to the fight, like like two to one odds. If you know, I've still I'm still picking Volkanovski though.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as the kicking range, because on paper, that seems where Yair would have an advantage, not to mention the only time that Volkanovski has been finished actually prior to his UFC career was via head kick. And, you know, I'm not, you know, foreshadowing what might happen this weekend, but you definitely know that Yair and his team are are aware of that. They're going to try to mix it up. To the legs, to the body, to the head—all levels. You know, no, n- no discrimination of where the uh, kick attacks are going to go, as far as Yair is concerned. And regarding weaknesses in his game, you mentioned the takedown defense. I also think that a big advantage Volk has here is in boxing for MMA. I think that if he can close that range and get away from the kicks and make it an up-close fight, I think Volk has massive advantages there. Now, as far as that fight that Yair had with Josh Emmett, because people were commenting how easily Yair went to his back, and you know I'm not going to dispute that, but in the second round, the reason why it wasn't a Josh Emmett takedown was actually Yair landed a flush flying knee to uh, Josh Emmett and then, as a result, went to his back, and that's where he was able to lock in the triangle. So the triangle was great. I love the technique, but I think that Josh Emmett was severely uh, compromised by that flying knee to the chin, which landed prior to that. So, man, I I'm not you know counting out Yair at all. This is a guy like I told you. I mean, dude, you. I, I would on- love to see him win. I would honestly, I would love to. see I mean, I, it would be exciting. I mean, I've did Taekwondo now for
1: eight years. I love Taekwondo. I would love to see Yair win, but I just think it's it's, it's it's a rough
0: matchup for sure. So, I mean, you fought on the same card as him back when at UFC 197, when he flying head kicked Andre Feely was the same night you beat Gleco Franza. And also another guy on this card, Robert Whitaker, put on like a clinic against Rafael Natal. So you're familiar with a lot of these guys. And Yair is someone that we've seen, you know, glimpses of just uniqueness and being special from day one i noticed it on the ultimate fighter and i've always said this guy can do things that other men can't do i mean the somersault kicks just everything i mean if you just go throughout his whole career you'll see it's just the weirdest unorthodox stuff but volk being the more meat and potatoes guy and i don't say that as disrespect because his style is very complex i mean like i said when's the last time you saw a five foot six guy out jabbing a six foot tall guy like you did in max holloway the third time it's just absolutely insane and it goes back to the fainting game he's just really able to confuse his opponents and back to the takedown defense look it's not that Yair or some slouch on the mat at all it's more so back to you talking about volk taking down islam i think it's really when volks in someone's full a uh, full guard like a closed guard he's got nasty ground and pound he's disgusting with his ground and pound because it's so hard to you know to move this guy around it's like a rock sitting on top of you so you already can't get up and then when he postures up and starts getting off on that ground and pound it discourages guys, and that's when he's had some early finishes in his UFC career, whether it was against Kasuya, against Jeremy Kennedy, and uh, you saw moments in the Ortega fight. Now, granted, Ortega a nasty black belt, he was able to just shrimp out of some spots, but man, he was getting tagged up with that ground up pound. so I think these first few rounds is going to be a chess match, like you mentioned, but the longer the fight goes, that's where I think Volk is going to take over, not because there's some cardio issue on the Yair side or any shit like that. I mean, this guy, you know, he's from Mexico. The guy's training in, like, 10,000 feet elevation, some crazy shit like that. He's going to be in shape. But with the style he brings to the table, I mean, that takes a lot of energy to throw those kind of kicks consistently over and over and over. And that's where I think Volk can take over as the fight progresses. But my worry is, I mean, the guy's been knocked out with a head kick before. This is one of the best kickers in featherweight history. Uh, I'm not counting out Yair. So who are you picking? I'm picking, I'm, I'm picking Volk. I am picking. Okay, okay. Okay. Because, okay. I got you.
1: I got you.
0: I got you. It's just, I, I'm not going to be the guy that disrespects the I Yeah, for sure. Uh, because a lot of people are, uh, um, the one thing, the one thing that will help him drastically
1: too, is the fact that his ability to switch stances, like the ability to switch stances is what need what I feel like so many people need to adapt now because of the calf kick. It's changed this whole sport. It's literally changed the whole sport. And like so many Muay Thai people are in denial about it. They're the old calf kicks a joke, and it's not a fucking joke. World class fighters in MMA are getting beat with the technique. Um, uh, so Yair's ability to switch stances will will serve him very well, and the fact that he he he's he's a better kicker from southpaw, you know, he'll have the liver kick and the head kick option you're talking about there. So I mean, I, I think he should just stand a little flat footed and be long with his kicks, and, and um, uh, don't bounce around as much and get and get you know kind of his hands out long, hands joust a little bit. And I think that could slow a pace down and give him, you know, and favor him because like you said, kicking is tiring. That shit is like doing the type of techniques he does is very, a very energy drain for
0: sure. Yes, Yes, sir. So, Co-main event of the evening for the flyweight belt. We got the champ Brandon Moreno. He's 21 and 6, taking on Alexandre Pantoja, who's 25 and 5. Currently, they got it. Brandon Moreno minus 188. The comeback on Pantoja plus 163. So this is actually my first bet of the night. I took Pantoja plus 170. Um, and it's not about, you know, who I'm confident in winning or this or that. It's more so about the fact that I would literally bet Pantoja at plus 170 against any flyweight on planet earth period that's just the bottom line um and the whole you know he beat him twice he didn't just beat him twice he beat his ass twice but you know that was a long time ago and you know moreno how long ago was their last fight i I think 2018 something like that so it's been been five years you know um And then the first time was on the ultimate fighter, choked him out. Second time, 30, 26 them. So he destroyed him both times. But granted, Pantoja went back to the regional scene. He had this one fight in LFA where he looked incredible. Then he comes back to the UFC, goes on his title run, already a two-time champ, had the quadrilogy with with Davison. I mean, the thing I think uh, about Moreno that's really developed is his composure out there. Um, He's always kind of had a tendency to be wild and aggressive, but he's kind of honed it in a little bit. And as a result, Some of the fights have been close in terms of, like, the rounds, but he's able to get big moments, you know, whether it was him taking the back of Davison, choking him out, whether it was in that Kaikara-France fight. I mean, the rounds were super close, but first... So everyone talks about the liver kick, which was fantastic, but prior to that, he actually rocked him with a spin and then he set up the liver kick. So, I mean, I can't – I'm not going to say anything bad about Moreno. He's a fantastic champion. He's the first ever Mexican UFC champion. So the guy's a historian and someone I truly respect. But, look, this guy Pantoja, he's probably the nastiest jujitsu jitsu guy in the flyweight division. He can bang with the best of them. And it's just about what kind of effort am I expecting Pantoja to give me here. I know Pantoja ain't the kind of guy to take a knee for nobody. I know that Pantoja – I mean, he's never been finished how many in thirty pro fights? It's ridiculous. So, um very impressive. So, so again, I don't know who's going to win this fight, but my pick is Pantoja because I will take Pantoja at plus one seventy versus any flyweight on planet Earth. So that's my pick and my bet. Very nice.
1: Yeah, tough matchup. Uh, uh t- a tough pick too because the thing is, as good as Pantoja's Pantoja's looked in the past against Brandon Moreno, man, let me tell you something. It's hard to beat the same person three times. Well, there's a reason why a lot of trilogies, you know, it's two, one, and everyone ain't winning three in a row. It's hard to beat someone, the same person, especially cause now they did, uh, what, at least four rounds together.
0: Yeah. So the first time he submitted him in mm-hmm. the second round and the next so time, second, he three, so, 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 so they four and a and half five rounds. Yeah. yeah. That day, and, and, and
1: that was years ago. So things have changed, but it's hard to beat someone five times in a row. I mean, three times in a row and that's super hard to do for sure. I'm, uh, I agree. I mean, brenda Moreno's ground game has gotten really good over the years, but it's not on Pantos' level. Um, I mean, I like the odds too. One seventy is, is it? Are the odds still at that, or are they, they're down lower now?
0: Sixty five ish.
1: I mean, I, I like the odds. I mean, it's and it's a hell of a story, you know. Him coming, him, him leaving the UFC, going to LFA, coming back, and going on a run and fighting for a world title and being a world champion. You know, I, I think, it, uh, I think. I like those odds as well i'll take pantoja
0: yeah i mean i guess my biggest concern from just stylistically from watching these guys over the years is pantoja goes balls to the wall and as a result with that style you are going to fade as fights progress um so yeah i am worried about the championship rounds should it get there of pantoja slowing down but Uh, take all that narrative uh, talk aside i know uh, this guy's going to give me the effort he's going to fight for my money at plus 170 so let uh, the cards fall where they may and uh, that's my I want to say my first better than that, but it's really my second better than that because it's the co-main event. My first bet is early on in the card, but yeah, uh, I'm on Pantoja, plus plus one seventy here.
1: Very nice.
0: Now featured bout in the middleweight division, we got Robert the Reaper Whitaker. He's twenty four and six, taking on Drica's Duplessis, who's nineteen and two. Currently, they got it. Robert Whitaker minus four hundred. Vic, the comeback on Drica's Duplessis is plus three hundred. I mean, Robert Whittaker is the definition of excellence, professionalism. I mean, I can see this guy being a Hall of Famer. There's literally no weaknesses in his game. If I had to maybe nitpick, I'd say he fights with his hands down. So maybe that can give someone an opening to clip him. besides that, it's like his wrestling is A1. He's a black belt in jujitsu. And then let's not even talk about his world-class striking. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. His footwork's on point. He's super athletic um and he's also been a money train over the years i mean he's only lost to israel adesanya since like 2014 so robert whitaker he's amazing and i like this guy drickus look he's a dog it looks super super awkward when he fights but it's awkward and violent i mean this guy's got that death touch he's built like a brick shit house um he's a problem it's just that i just think he's a little bit too sloppy for a guy like robert um here's the thing you know people are talking about how well Drickus, you know the reason it looked like he was gassing in this fight is because his nose was smashed and now he just got that surgery got it fixed i'm like okay that's great what's going to happen when he gets punched in the nose for the first time it's going to break again and it's you know the same issues are going to reoccur so i don't give a (laughs) fuck that he got some surgery man that doesn't mean shit to me i just think robert's on a different level than him completely and i think he's going to outclass him possibly finish him but you can't discount you know a puncher's chance from Drickus. i mean he's plus 300 and i bet the ko prop is something nice as well so that's the only place i'd look for drickus but i'm going uh whitaker here now it would be cool to see drickus win not because i have anything against whitaker at all but just because the build-up to drickus versus Anya would be one of the most entertaining shit talk filled uh build-ups that we've seen in a very long time would get people invested even though the fight wouldn't be competitive at all the build-up would get us all you know very invested but i'm going robert whitaker to spoil those plans and put on a clinic against drickus
1: I, I agree. I agree with every bit of that. Um uh it's a tough matchup for for the, the the South African guy for sure. He's good. He's he does hit hard. He's he's a dog, but I mean there's levels and I think that wild shit ain't gonna work on someone like Whitaker. Like he's gonna run into a right hand or a head kick because he's a drink as a southpaw, correct? Yep. Yeah, he's gonna run into a rare head kick just like Brunson did. Or uh it was Brunson he caught with that,
0: right? Um that Whitaker caught Brunson with a head kick. Out. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. It, him out.
1: That, well, I'm thought, yeah, I was talking about Whitaker, like right, Brunson, the yeah, rear, yeah, yeah. rear the rear, the rear leg from the open stance, the Orthodox versus South Pole. Um, and then the right hand. I mean, I think if it Mo I think I definitely got Whitaker in it, it best, I think Drake survives the fight and just gets just gets picked apart all three rounds. And anything besides that, I, I would be shocked for
0: sure. Now, next up. In the lightweight division, we got Dan Hooker. He's twenty-two and twelve, taking on Jalen Turner, who's thirteen and six. And currently, they got it. Jalen Turner minus two hundred and sixty. The comeback on Dan Hooker is plus two hundred and twenty. So this is an interesting fight, Vic, because you've been in Jalen Turner situation. He is the new James Vic. He's the new six foot three lightweight prospect. He's ranked number ten in the world. You know what it means to be the six foot three prospect that was ranked number 10 in the world. And this is a step up. Listen, man. I mean, Dan hookers, a super experienced guy. He's been around the UFC for a very, very long time. Um, now, I hate the odds, the minus 260 I would have liked to get in, you know, at a little bit lower price on Jalen. But man, Jalen's impressed me, man, because like on his regional, I don't know if you saw his regional scenes, but he was getting KO'd left and right, man. He had, you know, the traditional tall man's defense, you know, about that man. And he's fixed some things up and this guy's getting outside his comfort zone. He went to Abu Dhabi. He's been training with Hamzat Chimaev, which I would have never expected. Not that that's going to make some huge difference, but I just like to see the effort. I like to see the fact that, you know, he took that that Elda Gamrot which he performed am- admirably and you know he he didn't say that oh I should have won that fight and they robbed me no this guy Like I said, got outside his comfort zone and is trying to reach new heights. So I love to see it. And I think he's catching Hooker at a great time. Hooker's had an incredible career. But my issue with Hooker has been since his UFC debut against Maximo Blanco, uh, actually, I think he fought that leg lock on his debut. But his next fight against Maximo Blanco, from that fight all the way to like the Edson fight, the Poirier fights, he just eats way too much damage. And he's super durable for sure. But, you know, I, I... I personally wouldn't want to be eating these Jalen Turner shots. And it's interesting to see Dan Hooker, who's known for being the taller man here. He's finally going to be the shorter man by three inches. He's finally going to have the reach disadvantage, which is not something he's used to. So what do you think about Jalen Turner in this spot? Like I said, number 10 in the world. He's the new six foot three lightweight prospect. Like, do you like, have you been watching this kid? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, uh,
1: I pretty much agree with what you said. I'm um, uh, the good thing, you know, Jalen Turner has really, um, uh, you know, much respect to him. He's really learned how to use his range. He's learned how to be long finally, and and is not getting hit. You know, as much and learn how to. You know, he's he's got a good jab. He, you know, is smart. Um, uh, realizing in MMA sh- striking, boxing is king. The, the 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 hands will always land before a kick will, and you're you're gonna see great kickers who do do good like yeah, I hear but. As a whole, the hand, the majority of knockouts in MMA come by hand, so the hand's going to land, you know, quicker. And he's really tightened his boxing and his defense looks good. He's long. He, he's like he knows how to be long, and he uh, got a good, you know, good body kick. Um, uh, I think that you know, Hooker has some tricky shit. He has some crafty like setups and stuff like that. But I think that I think you're right. I think that he he's kind of you know. On a downslide a little bit, you know, he's getting a little older. He's taking a lot of damage. um uh, So um I- I'll probably take Jalen Turner. Also, I-, I would definitely like to wait and let the odds drop a little more, though, for sure.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. So, kicking off the main card, we got in the middleweight division. We got Bo Nickel, the 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 big time prospect. He's four and zero, and he's welcoming a newcomer who took this fight on a day or. You took it yesterday, so it's gonna be a couple days short notice. Uh, Valentine Woodburn, who's seven and zero, and currently listen to this, Vic. They got it. Bo Nickel minus twenty five hundred. You got to lay two point five k to get a hundred dollars back. You got to lay five K to get $200 back. Uh, the comeback on Valentine Woodburn is plus 1200. So this is the deal, man. Bo nickel. I mean, he wasn't just a stud wrestler. He was a mean wrestler. He was out there at the highest level uh, getting pins, which, you know, at the highest level, it's okay. ends up in points. This guy was out there pinning people. And now you see an MMA only four fights deep, but I mean, I've seen him drop people. I've seen him get mounted triangles. I've seen him get arm triangles. So it looks like he's taking it seriously. And look, i respect this kid woodburn you know i i, I brushed up on a little bit of, of his film and this is the deal with him so he's five foot eight at 185 pounds so he's a short stocky guy and in most cases vic you know being that short it's actually a good base for stuffing takedowns it's, uh-huh. just, it's just this level of wrestler it, do, it yeah. doesn't matter right so and look i respect the kid he put up a nice seven and zero record got this opportunity took it on short notice so you know, no disrespect. And he trains with Julian Williams uh, down in Florida, who, you know, is responsible for Phil Rowe. Adolfo Vieira uh, trains with Jacare, So he's got good people around him. And I think that he might win some fights down the line, just not this one Saturday night. So I got Bo Nickel to blast double this man and finish him in the first round.
1: I agree. Um, I don't know a lot about the other guy, I'll be honest with you. And I don't, you know, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I was, uh, he's new, you know. Yeah. But I mean, Bo, Bo Nickel is going to be hard to beat. It's, I mean, he's going to be hard to beat. And uh, I do think eventually he's going to come across. He's going to realize, like, when, you, when you're when you outside of the top 10 and then you move into the top 15 or top 10, it's like – at least I remember back when I was fighting and, and there was a lot of guys – that 155 is so deep and there's so many guys. So maybe it's less in, like, the middleweight division. But it's, like, a completely different organization. Fighting the the guys outside of the top ten is not it's, it's like it's not even the same organization. So I do think eventually Bo Nickel is going to run into somebody who, can, who he can't take down, or like even like I mean think about this. So Hudo didn't just take everyone down and keep them down. I mean he pretty much got everybody down, but there's going to be people people to get up. There is going to be people that are going to be able to get up eventually. Um, against Cejudo, against uh against uh, Cormier. I mean these are these are these are world class wrestlers as well. Um, and eventually, but I don't think this guy's going to be the guy to do it. So uh, I think that, um, you know, Bo Declos is probably going to win the first or second round for sure. And I would assume he, he won't take a lot of damage and he'll probably get a quick turnaround again and uh, move up the ladder pretty quick, as he should, if, if he keeps winning.
0: So next up in the welterweight division, we got the featured bout. We got the retirement fight of the legend, Ruthless Robbie Lawler. He's 29 and 16, taking on Nico Price, who is 15 and 6. And currently, they got it. Nico Price minus 260. The comeback on Ruthless Robbie is plus 220. So, I mean, we know... What Robbie's done throughout his career I mean just such a legend of the sport yeah. nasty southpaw um I mean dude the way he shoulder rolls and the way when he decides to to close the distance and get off on something I mean he's like I said one of the most prolific knockout artists in the history of the sport unfortunately robbie lawler my boy is 41 years old which sucks to see you know you hate to see it like he still fights like robbie lawler it's just a couple steps slower than he used to be not granted if you watch that fight he had with nick diaz the second one the one that happened you know like a year or two ago like man for some 40 year olds man they were throwing down they were putting up some output it was a very fun fight to watch and then the fight with Renna, you know robbie had some good moments just kind of slowed down a little bit couldn't keep up the pace and with nico something that's okay so the thing i've liked about nico over the years is that we know he's opportunistic right like randy brown getting fucking hammer fist from bottom the, the fight with you the fight with tim Meats, yeah. the fight with alan juban the fight with morano this guy's got a ridiculous highlight reel but it always used to be kind of to me like KO or bust but one thing I think that he's really improved is um his volume has gotten a lot better ever since his second fight with Vicente Luque I mean he went out there landed 129 significant strikes his fight against Phil Rowe um landed 110 significant strikes and that's one thing that Nico didn't have you know um in the past like in the past it was KO or bust but now he's actually a lot more active putting up good numbers and in that Phil Rowe fight phil rowe hit a nice blast double on nico price and dude nico was immediately attacking from bottom like it looked like a black belt off his back like the way he was attacking for stuff that phil literally just stood up and was like nah fuck this like i blast doubled you but i want no part of you on the mat told him to get back up which i thought was interesting so here uh, against robbie like yes i think either guy could get finished of course like both these guys are killer be killed my the reason i kind of lean towards nico besides the youth is what i was talking about these last few fights he's been putting up more output and that's where i can kind of see him you know pulling away down the stretch against robbie assuming no one gets caught which is a big assumption Vic,
1: i i agree with that assessment i'm uh you know robbie lawler a couple of the fight, like you said, a year or two ago, against uh, against uh, Nick Diaz, did look good. He threw a lot of volume. He was landing a lot of stuff. And the Barbarino fight, he looked—I thought he looked great as well. The, the first, you know, the first half of that fight, he just stood in too long in front too long. Um, he was landing good shots. He was he was rocking him a little bit, and he he stand, you know, got caught standing in front too much. Um, and I think maybe that's because he can't get out of the way now. Now that he's a little older, his defense isn't what it used to be. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that Kid Robbie Lawler maybe, maybe make it through the fight. Probably, you know, he might he might be able to survive and you know, maybe survive a decision. But I don't see him winning a decision. I still, I think if it goes a decision, he loses. And then, I mean, it's a, this is a tough matchup for him now. I mean, unless you know he found, you know we he found a foul in the youth or we you know we see something we haven't seen you know recently in him. I mean, obviously, always, you know, root for Robbie Lawler. He's a, you know, he's a, he's world-class, you know, pioneer, but this is a rough matchup, you know, for sure. Cause Nico is wild and he's going to he's gonna throw anything from any position. And, and Robbie Lawler is not the dude that's going to grapple. So Nico will do some crazy shit and end up on his back and won't even care. And then just get up anyway. And Robbie Lawler probably let him up. So it's, you know, he does a lot of dangerous shit. So, um, I, I think, I think Nico's going to win as well.
0: Yeah. And like, oftentimes, I've made mistakes of like, you know, you when someone's in the retirement fight, I bet on them because I've been like, look what this guy's done compared to this guy. Like when Shogun fought that random zero and one guy in his retirement fight, I was like, bro, this guy can't touch Shogun even in his retirement fight. Nope. Knocks him out in the first round. I was like, oh, my God, fuck. So even the Frankie Edgar fight with Chris Gutierrez, like when the legends retire you know, there's been exceptions. I know you remember the Chris Lytle retirement against Dan Hardy. You know, he got to finish Dan Hardy He had his beautiful speech. He got bonuses. Like you love to see stuff like that, but it doesn't happen often, Vic. Um, I'd love to see it Saturday, just not counting on it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Just, um, uh, uh, I mean, father time is what it is, you know, and, um, uh, and, you know, as you get older and you do this so much, you get burned down as well. So the fire is not the same as, as the younger guys have, even though you have the experience, you know. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that Nico's probably going to possibly get the finish, but definitely we definitely win.
0: Well, Vic, I know I got to get you out of here in a second, but for all the fans, fear not. I'm going to break down the rest of the card. But let me just get quick picks on these last few uh, fights from you. Uh so Jack Della Maddalena versus versus newcomer Josiah Herrell. I assume you're gonna pick the minus nine hundred favorite Jack Della. You've been impressed with his boxing and what he's looked like. I think I've only seen him fight like once. Um uh but yeah, minus nine hundred, I'm picking that for sure. Um Jimmy Cruot versus Alonzo Menafield, They fought a couple months ago, went to a draw, and now they're running it back. I uh, like Alonzo. That's my boy. I've trained with him before. You know, he's from here in Dallas. Um,
1: uh, I, try, I trained with him back in the day a few times. Not a bunch, but a few times with the Iranian wrestlers. Very explosive, very athletic. Um, uh, I think that you know sometimes he gets in there and don't pull the trigger. But I think I think he I think I got him. That's my boy. He's gonna win. I, I thought he left Texas though. He's not a force. I, th- I thought he was training with Pat Barry now. Well, he might have left but he's still my I mean he's still my boy i I, I never trained at Fortis. so'm I'm, I'm cool with all those guys and everything but I never trained him I trained with him at a different spot with the Iranian wrestlers that we used to train with and uh so so you know uh you know I'm, I'm cool with the guy so you know I always you know and I don't know Jimmy Crude. I've never met him so I'm, I'm rooting for Alonzo nah. and I think I think it's a winnable fight it's a tough fight it ain't easy but it but it's a very winnable fight for him for sure
0: Have you ever heard of this uh, undefeated Mexican prospect, this chick, Yasmin Yerigui? She's like 23 years old. She's been landing ridiculous amounts of strikes. She's looking like a good prospect. I have not. I haven't. Okay. Keep your eyes out for her. So Vic, before I get you out of here, man, the fans can follow you at James Vic MMA. Uh, What you got coming up, man? I mean, you looked really good in your two uh, karate combat fights. You plan to keep doing that. Like, like What's next for you?
1: Yeah, um, uh, uh, I'm... I'm still uh, we're in negotiations with karate combat at the moment. I have a couple other potential big offers coming up and stuff. So I can't really talk about them yet, but um, I got, I got two decent offers that I'm working on. So we'll see what happens. And then of course, karate combat as well. So um, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how everything goes. Uh, I can't really give the details at the moment.
0: And uh, you got your YouTube channel. You've been running James Vic MMA. is what it's called just like all yeah, the other... Gen- James Vic MMA. Yeah. And just, uh, I just
1: I posted some good techniques and started doing some some you know microphone talking about different subjects. and you know, just to showcase all my fighters i have a I have a roster of fighters. Just two weeks ago we had we had ten guys fight on the same card. Um, these guys are slowly starting, to, but they're 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 newer, but I got some killers. so building a big team and everything and having fun coaching and you know coaching is you know kind of helped me fall back in love with fighting. so it's it's um uh, things are good at the moment.
0: Yeah, you love to hear uh, my buddy uh, in the chat, Grateful Dude, said, Respect to James Vick. I remember when he beat Jake Matthews. I remember that, too, because... Uh, speaking of guys on this card, you were like a plus one sixty dog versus Jake Matthews in Australia. Robert Whittaker was like a plus one sixty to plus one eighty dog versus Brad Tavares in Australia. Both y'all went out there, and that's kind of how we started talking. And you went nine and one in your first ten UFC fights. We used to call you Mister Ninety Percent. And the only other guys to go nine and one in the first ten UFC fights, Conor McGregor yoel romero islam makachev but then there's guys like john jones volkanovsky you know john jones still never lost anderson oh, yeah. Silva had his crazy run volk went to 12 and 1 but still 9 and 1 in your first 10 much respect my guy that's uh some shit not a lot of people can do so thanks for being on here always good talking with you and best of luck with what you do next yes sir thank you bro be safe Absolutely. you as well my guy talk soon all right cool that's my buddy james the tech executioner vic now let's continue breaking down this car so next up in the welterweight division we got jack della maddalena he's 14 and 2 taking on the newcomer josiah harrell who's 7 and 0 oh. is it harrell or harrell i got a cousin named harrell so when i see you know that spelling that's how i pronounce it currently they got it jack della maddalena minus 900 the comeback on josiah harrell is plus 600 look respected josiah taking this on short notice kid's a good wrestler not a Bo nickel level wrestler but a decent wrestler the issue is um you know josiah is a 55er for the most part um but listen this guy this guy is dangerous um he's gone out there on his regional scene and when he can get that back mount he's pounded plenty he's pounded multiple people out uh, from back mount with big shots um, he's finished all of his fights. He's got a variety of submissions. I like what I see seven and zero with seven finishes. So kid, I mean, I, I think you earned your spot. It's just that you're in the wrong weight class. You're fighting a top 15 guy. Um, and Della, even though he has had, you know, maybe some questionable moments on the mat, whether it was the Angelusa fight on Contender Series where he was in that deep arm triangle, or even the fight against Ramazan Amiv when, I don't remember off the top of my head, it was it a Darce or an Anaconda? Uh, something. If it goes through the arm and connects at the head, it's a Darce. If it goes through the head and connects at the arm, it's an Anaconda. I forget which one it was, but either way, he's escaped some bad position. So I love the composure from Della Maddalena on the mat, and when he gets taken down, he tends to scramble back up to his feet. So the kid's been trying to uh, uh round out his game and you guys know about his boxing some of the best boxing in the welterweight division um and he'll just get in your face he's a real Fighter, he's, he's a gritty guy. I mean, just look at his nose, you know, plaster on the back of his head. And he's still, you know, he doesn't need that surgery. Like, like Draco's Duplicy, this guy, whether he's breathing or not, is going to be in there to his very last breath. So I respect that. And I think he's minus 900 for a reason. I think Josiah might win some USC fights down the line, especially at 55s, just not Saturday night. So I'm going Jack Della Madalena. Pro- maybe even gets taken down once. But as soon as he gets back up, some body shots, some head strikes, I think he's going to get him out of there. Now, next up in the Strawweight division, we got a matchup between Yasmin Yaragui. She's ten and zero representing Mexico. She's taking on Den- Denisi Gomes. Gomes or Gomez, who's seven and two repping Brazil. Currently, they got it. Uh, Yasmin Yaragui minus four hundred. The comeback on Denise Gomes is plus three hundred. So, um, basically, this is a fantastic fight. Honestly, this is one of the the like fights I'm looking forward to seeing the most because Yasmin Yaragui is a prospect, man. I mean, that fight she had against Yasmin Lucindo on the Vera versus Cruz fight, the only reason that didn't win fight of the night was because David Onama versus Nate Landwehr was right after it, right? Like, how could you not give those guys the fight of the night? But man, I love the output from Yasmin and in her last fight against Estella, she got tested. She even got dropped in that fight. And she showed that Mexican heart. She showed that she can get back up to the feet. And when it's, you know, she can she can give it, but she can take it too. And that's exactly what she did. And she is definitely a young prospect to look out for. I mean, born in 1999, she is just a kid, my friends. I mean, only 24 years old. And you should see the physique on her on, on Instagram. I was like, oh my God, like. Whatever new supplement regimen she's been doing, I mean, she's not skipping her Flintstone vitamins. She's been eating her steamed asparagus, man. I mean, like, and some extra seasoning on that asparagus, too, because the way her physique looks right now, it's going to be a while between uh, before someone can really mess with her, um, especially with the kind of build they're giving her and look. I got all respect for Denise Gomes. I mean, that fight she had with Bruna Brazil. Bruna Brazil was the big prospect coming out there. Bruna Brazil was the one known for the big kicks, the range striking. She was supposed to be the new face of you know Brazilian women's MMA, and Denise gomez walked her down and beat her ass in a way where I was like, I was like, oh my god, like, like damn, like. So when they match these two up, like. Dude, these two ladies are gonna go after it, and it's gonna be a very exciting fight. I guess now we got to talk about the price. Look, I'm not interested in no minus 400. I'm good on that. Yeah, do I pick Yasmin? Do I think Yasmin is gonna win the fight? Of course I do. But this is a dogger pass situation at those odds. But at the end of the day, I do think that length of Yasmin, and I say length, she's only five three, but. Her opponent's like 5'1", five, 5'2", five, so she's going to be the longer person here, and I just like her approach. I like the more activity, but Denise, you know, the, the girlfriend of Carol Hosa, someone I also like, um, she's going to be tough, and she's going to be there, and she's going to give her best, so I got to respect that, but I think Yasmin Yerugui has the higher upside. I think the line reflects that, and for that reason, I'm going to pick her to win this fight. Now... Here we go. Next bet. Next up in the 205-pound division, we got Jimmy the Brute Crute. Say that three times as fast as you can in an Australian accent. He's 12-3-1 and in because they, they had a draw last time. I'm taking on Alonzo Menafield, who's 13-3-1. <laughs> Dominic, stop, man. Uh, and currently, they got a uh, Jimmy the Brute Crute, minus 120. The comeback on Alonzo is plus 100. So I, I took Jimmy the Brute Crute here uh, at minus, like, 104 a few days ago. And the reason being is I think that there's a massive market overcorrection here on Jimmy. And let's let's just talk about what I mean. Let me pull up his past odds. So, give me the brute crew, right? So, this dude, Jimmy Crute, is minus 220 against the current champ, uh, Jamal Hill. Minus, like, 230 against Alonzo the last time. And now it's pick him um listen i get it was a draw and i get he went through some shit in that fight but you what you got to understand is this we got to put a lot of context in that first alonzo versus jimmy fight um firstly jimmy was coming off two very disappointing performances especially especially the hill fight i mean jamal smashed him in a way where like if Jimmy returned was never the same, no, we, we'd understand. We'd be like, okay, we get it. We saw what you just went through, my guy. But he takes over a year off. I mean, Jimmy didn't fight in all of 2022. So he comes back in early 2023 against Alonzo. And, I mean, let, let's take it round by round. Let, let's talk about what happened in that fight. So first round. Uh, Jimmy goes out there and he takes down Alonzo four times in the first round and he controls him for over half of the first round. Now here's the issue. Like Vic and I were talking about, you know, how he mentioned that kicking game takes a lot of energy. You know, what else takes a lot of energy, um, taking dudes down consistently over and over, they get back up, you go right back to the well, take them over and coming off that big layoff. Um, and more so than the layoff kind of like. You know, you're fighting back in Australia. You have all these big expectations and you're coming off two brutal losses where like, man, you lost a lot of momentum. People were talking about you as a uh, as a future top 15 guy. You were favored over the current champ by a long shot, you know? Uh, so he had a lot of mental adversity to overcome in that. Uh, in the lead up to that fight, let alone the fight itself. So the fight starts off and Jimmy is just picking up Alonzo, taking him down like nothing, takes him down four times. But man, that is tiring. They get back up to the feet. Jimmy's like, whoo, whoo, and that's where Alonzo cracks him, drops him. Could have got the finish, but Jimmy, you got that dog in him. You love to see it. Gets back up to the feet. Looked very sloppy at times in that fight. But man, even in his diminished state, in that fight getting rocked, getting dropped twice in that fight he still landed takedowns every single round and i think that now that he's experienced with alonzo brings to the table like the corrections that either guy can make i think jimmy can make the better corrections here in like what has been a couple months since their fight versus alonzo you can't fix you know that i say you can't fix that takedown defense in only a couple months but i want to put some context on that because alonzo historically does have good takedown defense he's actually pretty hard to take down but the fact that jimmy took him down six times in that fight speaks to the level jimmy's on and i want to take it a step further i was talking with Vic about how alonzo no longer trains at fortis mma and that's not just some narrative or you know, let's, let's, you know, let, let's just throw out some random shit and see what sticks. Nah, actually, the reason I bring that up is because now he's training with Pat Berry. And let me ask y'all something on a, on a real note. Let's look eye to eye. Do y'all think that Alonzo Menafield's takedown defense is improving uh, training with Pat Berry? Because I don't. But as, as a result of training with Pat Berry, who's a decent kickboxer, alonzo went out there and got two knockdowns his last fight so i think his striking is going to be more dangerous than it's ever been but i think it's going to be easier to take him down than when he was working at fortis mma with all those guys um especially under the tutelage of uh you know the the general uh safe saoud you know so basically i think that now when jimmy takes him down i think jimmy understands hey let's relax a little bit let's settle in top control let's get off on some ground up pound let's set up some submission attempts and i think that you know no two fights are ever alike and of course i'm gonna sweat the moments that are on the feet I- i'm not i'm not delusional here I- i'm not gonna sell you on some fucking pipe dream i understand that on the feet it's gonna be a sweat or it could be because J- jimmy's got some stuff too don't don't sleep on jimmy either but I'm going to be like Jimmy, shoot. Jimmy, shoot. Last time he got 6 takedowns. Um and he also had 12 attempts. He attempted 12 takedowns. I love it. Attempt 12 takedowns for me here. Hopefully less because hopefully this time we can submit him. Hopefully this time we can ground and pound him. Hopefully this time we can lay on him for the duration of the rounds and go out there and win whether it's a submission whether it's a ground and pound TKO whether it's laying on him for 3 rounds and getting the decision that way I don't care just just go out there and try your best in terms of the ground attack and if he does that um I feel like we're I feel like we're going to ride pretty here it's just about you know like I said when it's on the feet, I would be like Jimmy, <laughs> hands up, chin down, Jimmy. You know, so shoot, shoot. You know, or, or like uh, Coach Edmund, head movement, head movement. You know, it's gonna be like that. But once we get past that and we get them to the ground, I think the levels are gonna show. And I think that Jimmy in in the time off jimmy can make more adjustments whereas alonzo you can't make up for that lack of takedown defense in only a couple months whereas jimmy can know hey i'm gonna limit the striking exchanges and just I, i'm gonna put my head in this guy's crotch and uh try to take him down try to sniff it and try to win this fight by any means possible because this kid's back is up against the wall i don't expect jimmy crew to show up with a mullet i don't expect jimmy crew to show up with a stupid mustache or a fanny pack or you know you know try to try to do some stupid gimmick look your kid your back's up against the wall and you need this and i think he's going to show up accordingly so for that reason I bet Jimmy Crute in the spot at minus 104. Now he's steamed up to like minus 125, and I feel it's going to keep going in Crute's direction, so I did my part as far as the line is concerned. Now it's up to Jimmy to do his part as far as taking this dude down to the ground is concerned. Now, next up, in, we have an 130-pound catch weight uh, because my boy Tatsura Tyra was supposed to fight um, against Clay Jason like a week or two ago, um, so you can't make my boy make weight twice, but don't don't get it twisted you know him making 130 that's not easy bro because these flyweights walk around like 150 155 my buddy cody durden um he might be one of the taller like longer flyweights but he's not a big dude in terms of like he's not he's not like cocked or anything like that and cody walks around like 150 155 so tatsura is still gonna have to cut a good amount of weight he is not a small flyweight but that being said i'm glad it's at 130 you know you don't have to cut those extra five pounds or extra four you know 126 so i'm happy about that Tats- tatsura is nasty on the mat hold on let me say these dudes records so 130 pound catchweight we got tatsura tyra he's the 13 and 0 japanese prospect welcoming edgar Shirez, who's 10 and 4 uh to the ufc currently they got it Tatsura Tyra minus 1100. The comeback on Edgar Shirez is plus 725. So I think that Tatsura Tyra is the best Japanese prospect I've ever seen. Or at least one of them, you know, and his ground attack is so nasty. He's So relaxed, but I love how he strings his is striking to his takedown attempts. He, he'll have big knees kicks and when he closes that distance and gets you down he's methodical on the mat and and when i've seen him in bad spots he's relaxed he's composed he's able to you know chill 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 and like my boy cheeto vera when it's time kill 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 and that's exactly what this kid does so i'm very high on tyra but he's just a kid and sometimes kids pull stunts this kid uh edgar's got one more pro fight than than tyra and edgar's a dog man like a lot of y'all have seen his last fight without even knowing you saw his last fight so do y'all remember this controversy a few months back so this kid edgar shiras fought in this show called fury fc right and he he puts this guy to sleep with a triangle choke and like the ref like doesn't even like stop the fight like the dude's out cold ref doesn't stop it and while the dude's out cold uh edgar then he transitions to an arm bar he starts like trying to break his lifeless arm and the ref still doesn't stop it we're like oh my god like bro like like (laughs) if i was there i would have jumped into the cage and stopped it myself you know and having experience being a commentator on like the nfc back in the day there was one instance where that happened where i pulled a dan hardy and literally walked up to the to the cage like grabbed on the cage and it was like stop the fight stop the fight because like dude was taking brain damage and then literally like they had to carry this dude out in a stretcher he had to wear like the fucking helmet on his head for like a few months they had to keep him in a black room like it was fucked up dude's speech wasn't the same for a few months so like um yeah i take it very personally when these refs don't do their jobs and i know that the promotions view it as unprofessional for you to have any call and saying stop the fight or stuff like that i get it but in a situation like that the nfc example i gave you or that last Edgar Shires fight where, dude, like, he choked the guy out. The guy was out for, like, a minute, and the ref didn't stop it. Like, you could have killed the man. So, yeah, in those situations, fuck etiquette. Fuck the rules. Go scream at that ref. You know, if you see the ref in a back alley, you know, uh Give him what he asked for, you know what I'm saying? But listen, at the end of the day, man, I think Tatsura Tyra has that upper trajectory, and even though I respect Edgar, he's a dog, he's got that Mexican heart, he had a good fight on Contender Series versus Clayton Carpenter, even won the first round unanimously. I like the kid. He's going to come to fight. Um, I just think that the difference in dominance and presence and kind of you know, mentality in terms of like, Tyra's headed straight to, towards the top 15, in my opinion, whereas Edgar... I think he can have a lot of spirited battles with a lot of people. Uh, I'm I'm just still kind of up in the air about his ceiling. And not to mention, it's fucking minus 1100. So let's leave it at that. I'm going to Tai right here um, to get this done. Now, next up in the 205 pound division, we got Vitor Petrino. He's 8 0, taking on Marcin Pratino, who's 16 and 6. And currently, they got it Vitor Petrino minus 300. The comeback on Marcin Pratino is plus 250. So, you know vitor he's the the bricked up brazilian big knockout power um yeah and i mean this guy goes after it you love the, you love to see it you know there's some concerns about the cardio um not because he's not running his miles you see the sh- the shape the dude's in. he's an amazing shape it's more so because when you go balls to the wall you know what's going to happen like what you think your cardio is going to get better if you're if you're going 100 percent? of course not of course that gas tank is going to diminish when you're going 100 miles per hour on the uh, uh, on the highway. That's just how. That's just how science works. And when Marcin Pratch, you know I respect the fact that this guy came into the UFC, got knocked out three times in a row, and then like beats Khalil Roundtree as a plus two ninety, the plus three hundred underdog, which no one expected. Then gets a nice body kick finish. So hey, now you're in the company. Now you're good to go. You know, loses a close decision to Philippe Linz. And then the William Knight fight, man, I mean, that was a situation where I'm going to throw two punches to your zero punches. And as a result, I'm going to win the fight. Right. But here against Vitor Petrino, I think Vitor is going to be the guy that goes back and exposes that chin of Marcin Prachnio that had been tested in the past that had been exposed in the past. Um, the only thing I don't like is the price. The price sucks. Minus 300. I mean, it's like, bro. He would pick him with the pleasure, man. Like, you know, why is there this massive market overcorrection? Um, but I don't think Prashnil has the chin of the pleasure, man, the durability. So as a result, I think that Prashnil is going to hit the deck. I'm just not interested at minus 300. But my, but my pick is Vitor Petrino. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Cameron Simon. He's 8-0, and uh, welcoming Terrence Mitchell, who's 15-2 and to the UFC. And currently, they got it Cameron Simon, minus 550. The comeback on Terrence Mitchell is plus 400. So, Terrence Mitchell, y'all actually have seen him before you saw uh, Cameron Simon, because y'all saw Terrence Mitchell on the Ultimate Fighter in 2016 against Kai Kara France when Kai Kara France knocked him out in 30 seconds and destroyed him. And I'm sure a lot of people have mentioned that Terrence Mitchell comes from one of the notoriously bad regional scenes in Alaska where i mean it's like dude that regional scene it like just think about this for a second this dude uh terrence was 11 and 2 fighting a guy that was three and three he was 12 and two fighting a guy that was four and oh he was 13 and two fighting a guy that was four and two he was 14 and two fighting a guy that was four and one it's like bro like what what is this like what is this shit? you know complete mismatches dudes that had zero business But he treated them like they had zero business. Now, one of the fights against the 4-0 guy, Josh Terry, was a a DQ. I didn't get the chance to watch it, so someone let me know. uh, Did Josh Terry, like, knock him out? And they DQ'd him, like, with an illegal knee or something? Or what exactly happened that this dude won via DQ? Because that means he might have got finished, you know? Here with Cameron Simon, listen, Cameron's a good prospect. The issue with Cameron, he's got to figure out how to use his weapons properly. Like, this is a dude that gets points deducted every single fight. Eye pokes low blows but when you take that aside if he can get that in order the kid's very talented um, nasty arsenal on the feet He can he can compete on the ground listen i know his takedown defense is improving um but when he gets on top he's got a game as well but what i like most about him is he's got that dog he's got that heart you know if it's going to be a tough battle in the early going it's one one going that third round he's the guy that's going to push the gas in that third round and try his best to get you out of there if it even lasts that long um so yeah i mean i got simon here it's just i'm you know i'm not betting on him because he's minus 550 but if some of y'all put him in parlays and like (laughs) he wins two rounds to one but he gets deducted two points so they score it for the other guy (laughs) like could you you know shit like that's happened before right so you're gonna be very fucking pissed if that happens so hopefully um you know for his sake though There is a bit of a height difference, which I think might actually favor Cameron in terms of not getting those low blows. You know, he is the shorter man here. Um, Usually it's the taller guy landing the lower blows on on the smaller guy. So, you know, him being the smaller guy here, maybe maybe he's not going to eye poke this time. Maybe he's not going to low blow because he does it to an extent where it's like, bro, like how many fucking times and i know it's not on purpose it's just you got to be more cognizant you got to be more aware you know read the room like mark cuban says but uh yeah i'm going cameron simon here man i just think he's infinitely more talented more battle tested and is the better prospect and as a result he's a minus 550 favorite and my pick in this in this fight now before i talk about shannon ross and all that y'all do me a huge favor smash that like button for me Hit the subscribe button when this is over. Leave me a comment, please. And if you feel so inclined to share, uh, I, I'm not going to uh, discourage you or dissuade you. So I truly appreciate all the support y'all show me. And if you're just getting in here now, scroll back to the beginning of the show and hear what my boy James Vic had to say, because I thought he had some really good takes. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Shannon Ross. He's 13 and 7, taking out Jesus Aguilar, who's 8 and 2. Currently, they got it Jesus Aguilar, minus 145. They come back on Shannon Ross is plus 125. Um, so a lot of steam came in on Shannon Ross. You know, a lot of sharp, respected opinion. Move that line on Shannon Ross, a buddy of mine, actually. Uh, but I'm I, I I see why he did it at that price, but at this price, I wouldn't do it. I personally wouldn't have done it at that price either. Not saying I'm right or wrong, but just saying Cameron Ross, excuse me, Shannon Ross is a guy that uh he has an ability of making average fighters look like world beaters example i don't want to bring up ursic because i know all y'all are like overly high on ursic because of what he did to dvorak but i still think the 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 jury's out on ursic i i don't mean to be disrespectful they got him ranked like number 10 now at flyweight or something i think that's a joke bro i think that he fought a dude that you know had just taken severe beatings versus nicolau and manel cap was confidence was completely shot but because he was a plus 300 dog now he's he's getting overly valued um by being number 10 in the world that dude ain't no number 10 in the world um Erzeg looked like a world beater against shannon ross on contender series venicia salvador shannon ross had us believing venicia salvador was like the next davison figueredo like four knockdowns like just destroyed him but shannon shows so much heart that they gave him a ufc contract goes in there against clay and rodriguez clay and rodriguez looks like the fucking new phenom yair rodriguez slash anderson silva hybrid gonna make a huge run at flyweight you know after that spot but that's just not gonna be the case he was just fighting shannon ross so here against jesus aguilar the thing with jesus man he's he's listed at five four this dude ain't no five four this dude was like five two five one this guy is tiny but for a tiny dude he fights with big balls like The way he closes the distance on the feet i enjoy watching that he goes for it but what he's known for is he's got a nasty guillotine and that might not work against some higher level guys but i think against someone like shannon ross where shannon ross like i said no disrespect because i know this is disrespectful what i'm saying but i mean it with the best intentions possible to entertain y'all and to just be frank and just be straightforward shannon ross has this ability to make average fighters look like world beaters so as a result i think jesus aguilar is going to come out here and guillotine choke this guy and that'll be my pick now next up uh closing out the card or starting off the card however you want to look at it in the lightweight division we got esteban ribovics he's 11 and 1 representing argentina taking on camuela kirk who is 11 and 5 and currently they got it esteban Ribovics minus 145 the comeback on camuela kirk is plus 125 so same situation here as the ross fight a lot of action came in on kirk and i get it i mean this dude ribavix got taken down 11 times in his ufc debut got rocked a bunch of times too um so on that merit like why would you lay minus 200 on him right but he's not minus 200 anymore now he's minus 145 minus 145 and minus 200 are completely two different bets so the thing with Kamuela Kirk, I actually don't think he's bad in terms of skills. I actually think he's, he's a pretty skilled guy. Like look what he did to Billy Q in that first round. Um, even the makwan Amirkani Amir Khani fight like that, man, when he had that like triangle armbar on Amir Khani I was shocked. Amir Khani didn't tap to that. Like I was like, God damn, man. Like so Kamuela Kirk's got some stuff, you know, he's Um, he's moving up to 55s, but I I think he's going to actually fit in well to 55s. He's five foot 10. He's got the 75 inch reach. He's 29 years old. So people saying, Oh, he's moving up a weight class. That's a red flag. No, it's not. That's not a red flag to me. Actually. I think he's going to fit in perfectly fine to this weight class. Doesn't have to do the brutal cut. He's got the perfect size for 55. So I think he'll be fine there. Um, but my issue I've had with Kirk is that been a bit of a front runner at times like you watch the Billy Q fight comes out hard as hell and then just breaks. And I know Billy Q has got a knack for breaking people, but still we saw this man can be broken. His most recent fight against uh Damon Jackson. He was giving up those takedowns way too easy for my liking. Even that fight he had against Bruno Souza on the regional scene. Like Bruno Souza, I faded him against Melissa. Cause when I watched Bruno's fights, Bruno doesn't do shit. <laughs> He's just a karate guy that faints for three straight rounds. will throw the occasional sidekick, an occasional spin does nothing for two minutes, no output. And you're losing decisions to that guy. I need more effort from uh, Kamuela Kirk, whereas Esteban Ribovic uh, Rivet um, or like or like we'd say if we played FIFA with the British um, commentator Esteban Ribovic he's got that dog in him. Listen, man, this dude went through some shit that last fight against Lowick on short notice uh, was getting taken down at will was getting dropped all over the place. And then he's the one coming back in that second and third round, rocking his opponent, face planning him nice nice little sneaky Kamora traps and this and that good getting back up uh, from bottom so i do think kamuela kirk can maybe have some success early it's just man if he cannot lay on ribovich or get him out of there with some kind of sub along the way i just think that there's a volume difference on the feet you know favoring ribovic uh esteban ribovich there's also a dog advantage. There's a knockout power advantage. Like when this dude lets his hands go, bodies do hit the floor. Um, so I kind of see Esteban taking over as the fight progresses and possibly getting a finish along the way. But we'll see. Maybe Camuela looks much improved at 55s. Maybe those cardio, those late cardio issues aren't going to be a factor because he doesn't have that huge weight cut. Um, So we'll see. But I'm still going Esteban, man. I think he's got more dog and he's got more power. And I think that as the fight progresses, he's going to do better. So for that reason, I'm going Esteban Ribovics to get the dub. All right. So we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. And then I'm down to answer any fan questions. And then we'll get out of here. So y'all do me a huge favor. Smash that like button. Hit the subscribe button. When this is over, leave me a comment. And if you feel so inclined, please share. Now, um all right so what is the fight to watch for UFC 290 now that is a very tough question let's take the two title fights out of the equation because clearly those are some of the fights to watch um but man I think that honestly and there's so many so many great fights so many big names that there's tons of fights to watch but I'm gonna give you all one flying under the radar I'm gonna go with Yasmin Yeragui versus Denise Denise Gomes like dude They are going to go after it. This is like people talk about, oh, I got to watch another women's fight and head and arm throws and arm bars from guard and all this shit. Like, bro, I'm telling you right now, these two are going to get after it. This is going to be a violent fight. This is a women's fight that you are going to want to watch. And uh, I'd be very shocked if it was boring. So for that reason, Yasmin Yaragui versus Denise Gomes is my fight to watch. Now, my fighter to watch, this is also a tough one because all these guys are fighters to watch, but I'm going to go with Jalen Turner. Like, dude, there's a reason I had James Vick on the show today. Um, I mean, he's my friend, obviously, and he's an OG half-the-battle guest, you know? Like, back in the day, like, you know why we used to call him Mr. 90%? Because James Vick started off his UFC career 9-1. and We used to bet on him every single fight and win 90% of the time. So, you know, that's my dog right there um but the reason i i brought him up is because he fought dan hooker he also fought nico price but he used to be the Jalen turner like vic was the six foot three lightweight guy who was number 10 in the world Jalen turner is now the six foot three prospect who's number 10 in the world like they were in the exact same spots it's just Jalen turner represents that 2023 version the 2.0 um and I really wish I brought this up when Vic was here, people calling Jalen Turner a weight bully. I disagree because the, the the same the same way Vic was called a weight bully, Vic never missed weight. Jalen Turner's never missed weight. These guys are not weight bullies. Weight bullies are dudes that consistently miss weight. Those are weight bullies. I don't consider if you can make it, you're not a weight bully in my eyes. At least that's how I feel um, just as someone that watches the sport and as someone that competes in jujitsu. Like, who consistently competes against way bigger dudes like i i ain't no bitch like i want to beat these guys right so like to me it's like fuck like calling him a weight believe you can make the weight you ain't no weight bully but the reason that jalen turner is my fighter to watch is because he's number 10 in the world right now he can't he came off a very competitive split decision loss against camera where his stock actually increased after that fight and there's the narrative about how you know He's four and zero against the Australians. You know, beat Malarkey, beat Riddell, beat Coolabah, beat all these guys, right? Um, beat Callan Potter, and now he beats Dan Hooker. He's about to be five and zero from the guys down under. Well, Dan Hooker's a Kiwi, but still, you know, you know what I'm saying? Australia, New Zealand, from that part of the world, he's got a Jalen's got a promising record. But take that narrative aside. I want to see how far this kid can take it. Because when he first came to the UFC, I was not sold. I thought there were chin issues. I thought that his takedown defense was suspect. And I feel like this kid has been leveling up every single fight. And it's scary when he finishes these guys. And the way he uses his range, the way he's been maturing. Like, Dan Hooker's been in there with the best of the best. So I want to see how Jalen Turner, you know, approaches this. And if he passes this test now you're moving up the top 10 now you're getting another maybe even a fight night main event maybe a pay-per-view co-main event so for that reason jalen turner is my fighter to watch all right y'all leave me some questions i'm down to answer them and then after that i'm gonna get out of here i am so appreciative of all y'all being here truly means a lot to me and also thank y'all for the support y'all been showing the technique of the week man you know it's been growing um, now we're getting like UFC fighters on there, UFC fighters sharing it. And it's just amazing, um, that you guys have helped me get to that point. And, and we're just getting started, baby. So let's go through these comments. My boy, Will Martin in the house saying smash the like button. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna break the news right now for the UFC London card. I got, I got the OG Will Martin, you, uh, Scotland's finest. He's going to be in there with me, uh, breaking down that, uh, that UK car, that UFC London. I got another British guest. Well, my boy, Will Scott, but I'm saying our other guest is British, and I'll announce him soon. But you got one of one of the members, uh, half the members of uh, half the guests of half the battle for the UFC London. We got my boy, Will Martin. My boy, Benjamin, spreading the good words. Smash the like button. Please do. Let's see what else y'all got. Colby Saul wants to cash these bets. Let's cash these bets. Dixon says, hi, Dan. Hi, Dixon. Uh, Dixon said, is that my twin James, the Texagushan or Vic? It sure is my six foot three twin. Um, that's my dog though, bro. Like, listen, man, Vic, this is what you guys got to understand, man. When Vic was only five and zero in the UFC and he had just beaten, uh, Jake Matthews, right? He got his performance of the night bonus in Australia. Vic was the hot five and zero prospect in the, in the UFC lightweight division was, you know, about to climb the rankings and, um, you know, that's when i that that's around the time when i first started half the battle and you know no one gave a shit about me and two people watched my show and vic went out of his way to 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 give me his time and, and do this show with me back then when he was the man and no one gave a fuck about me um and i'll always be grateful to him for that and throughout the years he's been on the show too you all old school fans know and vic started off his ufc career nine and one and then you know When you hit the top 10 of lightweight division, the most stacked weight class in the history of the sport, you know, shit happens. Those last few fights didn't go his way. The Gaethje fight. Look at the guys he was fighting. Real guys. You know, lesser men would have turned their back against Vic. Oh, he's damaged goods now. Oh, this and that. But, bro, I want to say I don't give a fuck if he loses 10 fights in a row, but that's not true because I do care. He's my friend. I don't want him to. But the point I'm trying to make is he could lose 20 fights in a row and he'll always be my guy. I will always be grateful for what Vic did for me when I was starting out and when he was the man. And, uh, yeah, so that's my dog. All right. Let's see what else y'all got for me. Um, mighty said we need to bring on James cross next. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, he's still in the game. Is, is uh, James cross still in the game. Um, my boy, Marcus Williams said, glad to see you on the Pantoja train best value straight play at underdog money. Look, I don't know what's going to happen in the Pantoja-Moreno fight, but like I said, I'm willing to bet Pantoja at plus 170 odds versus any flyweight on planet Earth, period. And Marcus, it was good seeing you the, the other night. We all hang, we hung out. Um, uh, Me, Cody Durden, Marcus was a fucking awesome time, so we appreciate you very much, Marcus. And we look forward to doing that again, too, man. Um... <laughs> Mar- the, the other Marcus says, not enough value on the Reaper. I, th- I think I'll pass. Uh yeah, um I agree. I mean minus four hundred, you know, probably where it should be, right? Um. Mighty Jabroni said Hooker took ungodly damage against Barboza, not just Barboza, Poirier, Maximo Blanco, um, and Barboza, of course. Um. uh band said dan will we ever get a half the battle event recap show okay so i was doing those after the battles pretty consistently for a while um just sometimes when it's like late at night you know no excuses i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to start doing it again (laughs) because it was it was always really fun and everybody liked it i like doing it um so i'd like to get back to that after the battle i just need to just fucking make it happen you know uh, and Marcus, the other Marcus also said, no bet with the legend referring to Robbie Lawler, just watching and, and enjoying, but 41 years old, what a career I know. I know. Genova said, damn, is there someone on this car that James Vick hasn't already fought? See, that's the point. Find me another podcast this week that brought someone on that's fought multiple people on this car and fought on the same card as multiple people on this card. Um, let's see jenova said i was at the bar with cowboy Cerrone and the cage titans people when we watched vic ko duffy had money on vic too yeah that was a great dog hit um <laughs> dominic uh, i was talking about how um, yasmini Aragui and denise gomi can take it and this dude dom said dan loves a woman who can take it relax relax my guy <laughs> that, that was funny though um uh Ausui, I don't know how to pronounce your name said, who in their right mind would want Pat Barry as a coach? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Especially like you're choosing Pat Barry over the general safe sayud Shit. Life choices. But hey, he didn't lose the first time. Hopefully he loses this time from uh from my bankroll. Uh Kerry said, "Who does everyone got? Crew or Menafield?" I pick Crew and bet Crew. Uh James vick has got Menafield. Um, sc said dan is in his cat daddy mode with that shirt looking like he's ready to hit the disco to talk to some skeezers and drink a glass of hennessy An interesting observation Zach johnson said what up dan what up Zach johnson um all uh, right let's see what else y'all got for me man my boy rudy in the house Hey, uh, check out Rudy. I'm doing a show tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. So, thank you, Rudy. Benjamin, everyone, smash the like button, please. Please do. Please do. Um, my dog Renee said, "How do I find out what hotel fighters are staying at?" Um. Also, any tips for first time event? I mean, just enjoy yourself, man. I mean, just go out there, and have fun. Um, I'm sure if you talk to the right people, you'll you'll find out. Uh, but you know, don't don't you know. If you see someone like my rules for etiquette as far as approaching fighters, if you think you're going to create a situation where, like, like you find a fighter and you want to take a picture with them or whatever, but you feel like you're going to create a situation where now hundreds of people are about to swarm them and you're going to, you know, they're going to be held out for a long time, that's not cool. But what you can do is you can be like, hey, man, like, I want to take a picture, but I don't want all these guys to mob you. So maybe we should like sit down or go over there, like, or something like that just, just talk to them. They're people, man. They'll listen, but don't just be like, when there's like thousands of people nearby, Hey, let me get a pick, man. Cause then the next guy's going to be like, Hey, let me get a pick, man. And then the next hundred people are going to do that. And then when the fighters like, bro, like, can I, can I like go to the bathroom? Can I go get a drink? Can I go hang out with my girlfriend? They're, they're going to get sick of that. And then people are going to act like they're assholes. He didn't want to take a picture with my four-year-old son. You know? So my advice for approaching fighters, like I said, uh be like, hey man, I want to take a picture, but I don't want all these people to swarm you. Let's let's like sit down. Let's go here where not too many people are, and I really appreciate it. And you know, thank you. You know, be cool. Um Dominic said, give us the accent on, on Shannon Ross. I, I can't do that one as well. But Esteban Ribovich, I like that one better. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, my boy LeVire wants that tomahawk chalk, tomahawk chalk, tomahawk chalk, that like button, and the home of the Braves, best team in baseball history. Um, what else y'all got for me? He said, I'm way too shy to even approach one. Don't be, because think about this. The next day, you're going to be so fucking pissed off that you didn't ask for that picture. You're going to be like, fuck, I had the chance and you didn't go for it and you're going to be pissed and then you're going to miss out on that memory forever so you should go for the picture but like i said read the room like mark cuban says you know like i said there's hundreds of people there and you know you're about to start a fucking big ass line by doing it don't, don't be that guy but they're human beings you say hey let's like sit down right here take a quick selfie when no one can see they're usually pretty cool about that so just just go about it like that you know like but don't, don't don't be fucking drooling. Don't be, you know, don't get down on your knees. Don't do any, any weird shit. But just talk to them like a regular person, and they'll listen. Nine times out of ten. SC said, tip for your first UFC event, don't drink too much alcohol while watching the fights. You might say or do something you normally wouldn't just because you're drunk and hyped up. I mean, I think that applies to every uh, rule of life. But, I mean, if you can handle yourself, you're fine, man, you know? I personally don't like drinking too much at the events. I'd rather... Um, you know, do other stuff. But <laughs> no, but, uh, because when you drink, you have to keep drinking. That's the issue. You can't just have one beer. And I don't, I'm not talking about, you know, the alcoholic thing about like, um, like too much is not enough or what's the, what's the saying about how, like, um, God, I forgot the fucking saying about, you know, one is not enough, but too much is not enough. Something I, I forgot the saying, but basically um, like when you drink, like if you don't keep drinking, like you're going to get a fucking headache and you're going to get a headache the next day too, if you're not hydrated. So I personally don't get wasted at these events. I'd rather like take an edible or, or or so- something like that. I'll leave it at that. Um, Marcus also said the selfie is better than the autograph. I agree with that. Uh, big time. Other Dominic said, got a picture with Jamal Hill, the, the 205 the best 205 champion in history besides John Jones um nah but yeah guys it's been a lot of fun last call for questions real last call y'all got about a couple seconds to leave me one more if if not I truly sincerely appreciate it um and then also little thing everybody asked me for timestamps stop I always leave timestamps about 24 hours after the stream sometimes 12 hours but like dudes will be on like my comments like five minutes after I get off the show asking me for timestamps. Like, bro, I just got off my stream. Like, let me, let me, let me me, like eat. Let let me, let me like relax for a sec. Right. Like, let me like live my life. I promise I'll get to those timestamps, but don't, 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 don't don't mind watching the whole show. We're giving you all some good shit here, but don't be that fucking guy that like you, you, you've been watching this show for a while, you know, I'll drop those timestamps within 12 to 24 hours. Where are the times tramps, bro? Where's Shaq, bro. Like, like, shut the fuck up. All right. Stop. Um, but with that being said, I am so grateful to everybody that supports me, that's been here with me, whether it's from day one, whether it's along the way, whether it's recent. Thank you. Um, y'all know where to follow me. Best fight picks on Twitter. Subscribe to half the battle. Also, subscribe everywhere. Uh podcasts are found. Um and then uh smash the like button hit the subscribe button when this is over leave me a comment and yeah let me know what y'all think um and favorite way to smoke bongs and blunts but guys thank you all so much really really appreciate it i'm always down to interact with anybody that's got my back and to show me support but not some of these fake motherfuckers that'll smile in my face and then stab me in the back you know They'll go on their little Discord uh, circle jerks and talk all this shit about me, but then slide in my DMs and beg to be a guest on my show. Don't don't be that guy. All right, be genuine. Be a real one. Um, you know, we've all made mistakes over the years, but it's about learning from your mistakes and trying to be a better person going forward and being honest about it. You know, not 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 trying to cover shit up. So respect, 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 respect. Thank y'all so very very much. Truly appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the fights. Technique of the week dropping Friday. Got an exciting one in the works for that. And then hopefully, you know, if I'm feeling it, maybe I'll do a little after the battle, you know, Saturday night after the fights, depending how my night's going. So, again, thank you all very much. Truly appreciate y'all. And until the next time, let's cash these bets!